Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to Geeking In, your favourite fortnightly fan fest. I am Jay, I'm your party host, so grab your bob and your beer or your brew, half a sugar and oat milk, just the way you like it, and tap in for what talking about this week, it seems. Um, I am joined, as always, by the invincible, the futurist out, Tony Stark. How you doing, T? Hello listeners, hello gents, it's really good to be back after our slight sabbatical, it's great to be here. I don't know what you mean. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from is the... Anyway, and we are joined always, uh, our flexible prince of the pause that was promised. Hey, don't be. Buenos dias. I'm almost disappointed you didn't go with it. Oh, God, T's really disappointed you didn't go for some. <laughs> He's had enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure that means hello, not goodbye. He's, he's stormed out, he's come back, he's, he's, he's dramatic this week. Yeah, diva, I think is the word. Tiva? Tiva. Anyway, that was a, a good tea, apparently, but a hello to all of our listeners in Puerto Rico. Um, uh, because we do have listeners from Hemel Hempstead to Dublin to Oregon to Puerto Rico. Uh, so thank you very much for continuing to rate, review, subscribe and share, getting involved in the conversation at GeekingPod on both Instagram and Twitter. And whilst there, you will be able to link to our bio, which shows you that that went badly. Uh, you will be able to uh, mm-hmm. check out the link tree link in our bio that tells you everywhere we are, uh, including Teesprings, which sell our masks, our mugs, and our T-shirts. And customer satisfaction guaranteed with Teespring. Unlike, apparently, new Matrix film. What? Is um, the reason for a lawsuit um, with Village Roadshow Pictures suing Warner Brothers uh, over deliberate and concerted efforts to reduce the Matrix Resurrection's value as intellectual property by simultaneous theatres and on HBO Max. Village Roadshow Pictures is co-financier of the film and is claiming that the reason why Matrix Resurrections only earned $37 million at the domestic box office most of any films in the Matrix series is because simultaneous release. Um, This is a frivolous attempt by Village Roadshow to avoid their contractual commitment to participate they commenced against them last week, said Warner Brothers. Um, now, Matrix Resurrections is one that we've gone to talk about a few times and haven't. So I will start with a simple question, which is, T, is the co-release of 
Matrix Resurrections the reason why it did so badly? No, it's the fact that it's a shit film is why it did so badly. I <laughs> fucking love the Matrix. I even I even like the i I'm gonna say the sequels, but I like Reloaded and Resurrections. I've watched them so many fucking times. I've played the part of Neo. I've played the the shitty one. I've watched the Animatrix over and over again. Like just the concept of being in the Matrix world in theory is exciting for me. Until apparently it's not, and they make Matrix Resurrections, or I just don't want to spend time with any of those characters. It was an awful, awful film. Um, a huge misstep. They shouldn't have made it. It's added nothing to the franchise, um, and. You know, this kind of lawsuits and stuff is their own shenanigans, and, you know, between studios and probably what happens all the time anyway. Uh, but none of that has got anything to do with the fact that it was an utterly shite film. Um, B, you have a habit of, of very much enjoying films that the team might not like. Uh, I'm so glad you said that. I thought you were going to say I got a habit of enjoying shite films. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the latter is true. I'm, but on I'm this occasion, <laughs> on this occasion, I have to agree. It was absolutely terrible. Um, it has, in my eyes, devalued the Matrix as 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 a film property. Um, the first film absolutely blew my mind, and we've talked about it on on several pods before. Um, in how it, it, it set the standard for future movies and it still does to this day. Um, but unfortunately, that last movie is not going to set any standards except for loss making. Um, it, it, it was horrible. It really was. Well, didn't enjoy it. Waste of time. They should have just left it as it is. So I've... Um still not got around to watching this because it just isn't grabbing me and the more i see about it um this my, my list of things to watch um there is what am i missing from it what's film. the what's... there there is an interesting uh, i don't know epilogue to the matrix films in um i forgot the character's name now but a colleen wing story um, it's a real shame that's not the thing that gets explored. Um, it's almost if you cut out all of the Neo Trinity stuff, which is um, about you know eighty percent of the film. There's a really good sort of twenty minutes in there that's sort of worth watching, and not like a Matrix film, but like a YouTube fan film kind of thing. Mm. I don't know if it's worth going through the hassle of watching the rest of it just to get those bits. Because even. Oh, even like it, it's not it doesn't even feel like cinematically as interesting as the previous film. Not not groundbreaking. We're not we're not because you know there's a pre and post Matrix world, right? You know there's that kind of cinema and bullet time and all that stuff and pre and post. I don't expect. I'm not even talking about that kind of sea change in cinema. I'm saying it's literally not as interesting as watching the same film that was came out twenty something years ago. So one of the things that's that's has kind of turned me off of watching it is how self-referential it seems to be. Yes. And, you know, you, you, there's only so many times you can tell me I'm an idiot for, for, for paying for this 
even if it's tongue in cheek before I decide that maybe you're not being kind of dry with your sense of humor about it. And I am actually just being called an idiot for watching this Um, because the whole plot of it is about having to reboot the matrix because Warner brothers don't want to lose the license or or something. Isn't it? Isn't that part of the. That's a thing. Yeah. It's um, I mean, they do this amazing thing and you got to like love the gall of it. You know, when you watch a film and sometimes there's just a couple of seconds of the score of a previous film or show or something, and it's really powerful and you love anything. Oh, that's that little moment. In this film, you'll have a character, you'll have an actor playing a character originally played by a different actor who will then say the line that that previous character said, then will say, hey, remember that line that I said before? Mm-hmm. That I said that a long time ago. And then, then you'll actually get a clip of that line. Just like, yeah, wow, we, we, we got it. We got it. And, and this thing happens over and over and over again. And you're just there going, I just, I just rather watch the old film. Like those, those yeah. like quick, quick clips you're giving me of Matrix, just give me that. This is bizarre. And it's that part of the problem. It just reminds you that there's better versions of this film that you watch now. Yes. And, you know, they also do the, they do the Matrix again in the middle of this for some reason. So that bit in the first film where he's figuring out reality isn't real. Right? Is this is this the real world, or am I in the Matrix? That only works once within the context of that of that franchise, right? For some reason, we watch Neo go through this journey, Mister Anderson go through this journey all over again. And it's like if you wanted to make a well, a, a film of Wolf, is this real or not? Just make a separate film. If you by by calling it the next Matrix film, no one's on that journey with you. Because the first time we all watched The Matrix, you know, it was like, oh, shit, reality isn't a thing. Well, the world is a simulation. There was that moment that you went on with him. That didn't happen. It's, yeah, it's just such a bizarre film that did not need to be made at all. Mm. No, I have to agree. I think the problem was they wanted to reboot it, but still have the original actors in some capacity because of, obviously, they felt the fans won't... um, won't possibly accept a different Neo. Well, but that was daft, right? I mean, say they yeah. could have gone The Force Awakens with it. They could have just yeah. said, right, here's a bunch of new characters. Like I said, yeah, absolutely. Would have that would have worked. Yeah. Um, or, here's the other thing, you want to get some actors back in and, and kind of redo their bits fine. And in some cases, you've got different actors in. Weird choice. Um the big conflict of the Matrix all the way through is Smith versus Neo, right? Don't get a different actor in for Smith. That's weird, because then it's not... When you're seeing Neo facing off against the guy from Hamilton, that's not, like, scary and exciting. Seeing, yeah. you know, uh, Hugo Weaving off- opposite um, Keanu Reeves is exciting. Hmm. So does it need to be Neo? though so i mean it sounds as if you know the easiest way to avoid this trap if that's the trap you you, you feel you're going to fall into you know if, if people aren't going to appreciate or, or accept you feel you recasting neo and trinity just don't have neo and trinity mm. oh that's right absolutely that would have been a film that's what, that's what i think i think you know people didn't go into the force awakens hoping to see um mark hamill harrison ford um all of those guys again. 
they went in to watch a Star Wars film. People would have gone in yeah. to watch a Matrix film. They would have, you know, and there's that there's a bit in the film where they sort of have this discussion of what is the mate? Is it action? Is it the philosophical stuff? Is it this? Is it that? Whatever. Interestingly, they avoided the actual real interesting thing that they could have discussed, which is how you know the whole red pill concept has been hijacked and what is that? You know, that would have been a really interesting discussion. Um, I think. Um, but yeah, they they didn't do the thing. Um, yeah, they should have just dumped it entirely, just done a Matrix film. There is enough awareness of the brand and the concept mm. and all of that just to give you an interesting thing 30 years down the line or 20 years down the line or whatever. Or, you know, simultaneously, it doesn't matter. You didn't have to have this. They could have been these mythical characters. Um, and again, if you watch just the Colleen Wing bits, it is just a mythical character. It's quite cool. But then they meet him and then it's less interesting. <laughs> It's it's very interesting that you know as 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 I said, Village Roadshow think the issue with this is the the joint running rather than the the critical reception is received, um, and it feels like this was kind of a line drawn because of the what was the Warner Brothers HBO Max model. Um, I always think with um, movie studios, it, it's, it's all a sort of game. It's all sort of shadow plays, isn't it? It's, hey, where can I make money? Oh, is it through a lawsuit? Great. You know, it's a, if, if um, someone is, is entitled to a, a share of the profits, they'll somehow fudge the numbers so it'll show that, you know, the biggest selling film of all time somehow made no profit. And what was it Lucas said? Like, the first thing you do when you're going to direct a film is you go buy a bunch of cameras and you hire them out to yourself. <laughs> No, it's all just sort of making rares with that stuff. It's, it? it's the producer's theory, isn't it? You could make more money with a flop than you could do yeah. with a success. Yeah. Which is how we end up with Springtime for Jimmy, Jimmy Carr. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels very much about, you know, us trying to kind of work out what the new normal is in, in the, the, the streaming world, just in the same way that the... Um, uh, Scarlett Johansson lawsuit was was trying to work out what the compensation is for moving away from the the, the Big Bang cinemat, cinema, cinematic release. Um, it just feels like a very strange run to for. Yeah, yeah. It's it. I mean, you know, it, it's a weird film to go after because it was a shit film. It's a shame, though, because I mean, it's a shame because I, I, you know, the the it could have been a a Matrix universe. There were so, as T says, there were so many other stories which would have been perhaps a little bit more interesting to tell. Um, I I don't think that's dead, right? Because um, okay, because the Matrix, the concept, I mean, it's twenty something years old, right? Mm. So there are people born after the release of those films who are still really aware of it. Um, and they had like a, a Matrix Second Life type of game running for a while and, you know, um, and they kept in a sort of continuity. So Morpheus died in the game and that affected like this film and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's always sort of but been there in the background. Died in the film and that hasn't. Yeah, no. 
Well, they went to great lengths to make sense of how they brought him back. Um, mm. And it was possibly the least interesting way, you know, given the whole concept of all of this has happened before and all will happen again and the one and, you know, being a natural part of the system. There are lots of ways they could have had Keanu Reeves as Neo in The Matrix. And I feel like this is the least interesting one. It would have been more interesting to make Keanu Reeves a uh, program. Yeah. Or just, you know, the next one. Do you remember mm. when he was in with the architect? In, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He was the sixth or something, right? Yeah. 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 That would have been quite cool. Um, or again, you know, like Luke Skywalker just be that sort of mythical figure of um, Force Awakens that they're all rallying around, all rallying under. And his thing was he was more than an individual plugged in part of the program, part of the code, all of that stuff. He could live on through all of that stuff. You know, he's in the very code of the Matrix or whatever. There are a lot of things they could have done, which wasn't literally, we shall resurrect him. Oh, and her too. Uh, and are yeah, you but- there for the sequels? Should they go on and continue to make these as they were originally planning? Uh, no, really, I, I don't. I don't think so. What also confused me is in the movie, uh, who, who? I mean, I mean, Trinity ends up being the one because she could fly. Did did, did yeah, that happen no, or no? Yes, yeah, she can fly. Um, yeah. So she's got more power. She's not the one the one because there can be only one one even and though it's the seventh need, one you, well also you don't need the one at this point so um, how 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 come she can fly then because obviously it throughout the first three movies he was undoubtedly the one the one who could do all sorts of things um and trinity was was just someone who was not plugged into the system. Well, actually, Trinity killed the first um, agent, didn't she? Yeah, after was... after he distracted. Yeah, by doing the magic bullet stuff, bullet time. Not magic bullet. Just, that's something I mean, else. I, mean, I think it's basically it was you know after once she worked her true identity. Um, she just started to get the powers because of the magic of love and them being close to each other, but not too close. It wasn't really explained, was it? Mm. I mean, the whole thing about, you know, I needed to resurrect her to be able to resurrect him and I need to have them close, but not too close. And it was just writing all these kind of mad rules out of nowhere. Uh, I've got to say, and I will get to watching at some point, but I'm, it just isn't, no, and I think that, that, that's so telling, um, Jay. You know, if there's a there's a Matrix movie that can't pull in someone who does a fortnightly podcast on sci-fi movies, <laughs> that's insane. Like, it's not managed to sort of pull you into it. Um, yes, and, and know, without giving away sources, um, not one I was having to pay for either. Mm. That's that just shows you, you know, how, how bad the reception of this thing. But I always say, you know, like f- for me, 
the reflection of, of whether I like these things or not is whether I rewatch them because I'll watch pretty much all comic books, superhero, sci-fi, all of this stuff that comes out once. Um, and I'm no interest in, in rewatching this one. I, I will probably watch the sequels, probably, you know, um, because I'll watch everything once. Uh, but the fact that you're not watching it is 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 why <laughs> Matrix made no money. If it can't pull you and it's not pulling in, you know, the average moviegoer. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of positivity around it, was there at all? There wasn't a lot of people who, in, you know, even had that nostalgic joy of back, being back in the world. I think a lot of people just kind of like absolutely bumped into just just how how cleverly self-referential they seemed to be trying to be. Yeah. It was also just boring. Mm. You know, the first half of the film was just really fucking boring. And the second half was pretty boring too, actually. (laughs) (laughs) First half of the film was really boring and they followed up with another boring half of the film. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. It it was kind of, you were waiting constantly for something interesting to happen and it just just didn't happen. Mm. Mm. It, it it sounds as if um, uh, Matrix has uh, just left a bit of a bad taste in uh, everyone's mouth um, with this one, and we wait to see what happens next with it. But I think uh, uh, the, the, the 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 lawsuit seems to be a little bit um, uh, of a of a strange take on things. But whilst we are speaking about the question that's been running through our head is, do you really, do you really want to taste it? And when it comes to Peacemaker, <laughs> I think the answer seems <laughs> to be yes. Good. That was brilliant. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's my favourite. <laughs> um, is that just because it made you think about the dance number that opens every Most episode? That, yeah. and, and for some reason, you cannot forward past it. You have to watch them. Yes, every single time. Um, Peace Waker, also on HBO Max, not being sued by anyone as of yet, um, has uh, recently dropped episode number six uh, and follows the John Cena character following his resurrection at the end of The Suicide Squad um, with uh, an adventure. Um and it's it's a little bit bizarre. Um, we we know we have known for a while this is coming. We've known for a while that James Gunn was inspired by the Peacemaker character by John Cena's playing of the Peacemaker character to write a a, a based upon this character. And going into the Suicide Squad, um, we did wonder what it was about this character in such an ensemble film that spoke out. And, and you know the story that they wanted to tell um, having watched the Suicide Squad I think that Peacemaker was an interesting character but I don't know if any of us really saw him as the breakout um, but he seems to be doing okay um, B how are you finding Peacemaker 
um, firstly on on the point you just made, I was kind of hoping they'd do a breakout show on the weasel. Um, <laughs> but Peacemaker, I think, has been really, really good. It's been um, better than I thought it would be. Um, let's just say I wasn't quite enamoured with how John Cena was playing um, Peacemaker, but absolutely, this is this is him. Um, I, I don't think anyone else would was more suited to play um, Peacemaker. He just plays it perfectly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really really enjoying it. I, is it better than Marvel? Um, I don't know. I think that's that's a conversation to have. Um, I think they're doing a pretty good job of keeping up with Marvel on, on this particular show. Um, loving the action, loving the comedy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's taken a very, very different slant on things than the, the Marvel Disney mm. Plus shows. Um, and and is very much... Um, Bridging the gap, I think, between the the, the Justice's Grey Snyderverse dirge and you know what we're more used to with mm. Marvel, um, and they're they you know they're kind of more kaleidoscopic kind of view of things. Um, T, how are you um, enjoying Peacemaker? Um, so I only watched um, the Suicide Squad fairly recently I, I missed that one at release um and i watched that and sort of peacemaker almost immediately after that um so the suicide squad itself was a bit of a strange one because uh, i started thinking oh my god is this is this um james gunn unleashed you know without being held to the to the sort of uh, marvel disney uh things that hold him back um it was fine it was a fun film it wasn't amazing mind-blowing or anything but it was fine and fun um, Peacemaker took a little bit to get going for me. Now I'm really, really invested. I'm invested in all the characters. I'm invested in all of their relationships. I'm invested in the dance routine at the start. I'm invested <laughs> in um, in the story. It's my weekly. I can't, you know, um, it's the one I can't wait to download and what? and watch and enjoy and you know stream. And it, it is the one that I'm really up for. Um, it took a little while to get there, um, but once it did, it, 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 I'm just I'm really all, all on board for it. I think you know, kind of exploring that side of um, him realizing his dad's an arsehole and um, <laughs> all of that stuff is really cool, and, and sort of questioning, you know, <laughs> that conversation right at the beginning. Going, oh, you're the racist dude. No, 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 I'm not. Do you kill the same amount of white people? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. It's really just. Like really open, brilliant discussions about those things, um, and in some ways, also he's a bit like the Deadpool of um, mm, whatever DC. DC verse we have going on. Um, just because you know he's there going, oh yeah, yeah, Superman, yeah, he's got a foot fetish. Oh, Flash, yeah, yeah, he's the right for that. You know, just it's great. <laughs> it's just great with the shit is coming up with the kind of the complete you know uh, uh, lack of the overly dramatic stuff that we're used to with this kind of verses is, you know, um, yeah. Pete, I, I, did, what, I didn't come out of the Suicide Squad thinking I want a Peacemaker spinoff at all. Um, <laughs> it just didn't seem like something that was interesting to me. 
And it was, but obviously I knew it was going to happen. I just thought that was a really weird choice. And I kept waiting to like the character um, to understand why James Gunn did it in the Suicide Squad. And it just didn't happen. But now, the way John Cena's playing it and all the supporting cast and all of that stuff, mm. just, just brilliant, honestly. Um, and James Gunn himself writing and directing uh, most of the episodes, or sort of more than yeah. half of them so far, I think, at least. Um, they, there's so much like love and care and yeah <laughs> the, the, the amazing theme song and, and the way it sometimes kicks off before the, the theme starts you can hear it building up you kind of you feel weirdly you kind of feel almost part of the production of it it's really immersive it's really well done I, I mean I don't think anyone was was calling out for a Peacemaker show except for James Gunn um, and probably John Cena Um so it is really, really bizarre that they they took it this way. And you're you're right. He, you know, Peacemaker was not an incredibly likable character in that film, even to the point where he got a bullet in the head. He wasn't an incredibly likable character. Um, so it, it was a, a weird swing, um, but uh, yeah, it, it has it has really been able to kind of do some very interesting. Um, things within the genre it has been able to kind of you know change some stuff up and, and try to kind of do a, a very unique take on what's at this point fairly stereotypical kind of you know kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and even the black ops stuff is is kind of stuff we've seen and, and felt so they're they're doing a very good job of kind of creating their own space in that um, I think the Deadpool reference is good. The only thing I would say is Deadpool is in on the joke and part of, of yeah. Peacemaker's brilliance is Peacemaker himself plays it just absolutely straight. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he is the, you know, the, the jokes are at his expense and around him. He, you know, just absolutely takes these yeah. things as completely normal. Like, for instance, you know, he needs to have the dove of peace braved mm-hmm. on his sniper rifle because, you know, that way he's killing for peace rather than just killing for killing. Um, and, and, you know, really bizarre things like that that just kind of, um, uh, you know, make him awkward in... in... Um, Vigilante's an interesting character as well. They've... Um, uh, really just kind of, you know, created this little gang of sociopaths. Um, and and his his desperation to keep a, a, a secret identity when everyone knows who he is, uh, is, is, is quite funny uh, as well. Um, but it does feel it does feel like it's um, a, a, a fun lampoon of the very serious Snyderverse that we've lived in for far too long. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see the, the, the tone um, of it. Um, I did, and I'm interested in your two's view on this. Did you feel that the butterfly taking over people's storyline was a little close to Starro? Bearing in mind, that's exactly what we've just seen in the last Suicide Squad with Peacemaker in. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, obviously it's similar, but 
uh, at the same time, it's it's not you know it's oh we don't know that the supernova is not a big massive star across his face or whatever and the whole alien species. I think because we're sort of following it and discovering it kind of through Peacemaker, you know, it's no. So to answer your question, actually, no, I don't. I don't feel like it's it's treading the same ground all over again. It's it's done in quite a nice way that's quite interesting, and I think you know I'm keen to learn about. Uh, whether we can trust moral um, and whether we can trust um, actually there is a whole civilization and whether there's only one person that doesn't want it and you know all those ideas behind it all that stuff. the bit that I am sort of most excited about I think is um, how does Waller come out of all of this yeah hmm. yeah I mean it's 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 uh, it has um, nods to kind of they live and, and, and things like that, especially with, mm. you know, the X-ray vision that allows you to see the butterfly and things like that. Um, so it's not, it's not like a complete ripoff of, but uh, it's just interesting. It's kind of like, you know, aliens and mind control uh, yeah. again. Um, B, what about you? Did, did that, does that bother you or, or do you think there's, there's enough kind of, no, no, I, th- I think I think I think there's enough daylight. Um, I think I'm just enjoying it. It's just fun. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm loving the um, the callouts to like the uh, Justice League and and things like that. I'm finding that hysterical. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it just doesn't take itself seriously, and I th- I think that's fine. Absolutely, you know, that's I think fine. What you just said there, right? When when something's just fun, when you're enjoying it, you're willing to forgive a hell of a lot. And that's what it is. You're absolutely right. It, it's just fun. So, yeah, there's probably things we can nitpick about it, but you don't want to because you're enjoying it. And going back to the to the Matrix conversation, we didn't enjoy watching that film. Um, and so you're just there, like, picking up awful things about it. it yeah, I, I, it is, it is. But, I mean, it's also, you know, it pulls no punches. I mean, you know, the 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 white dragon stuff for mm. instance mm. they're not they're not you know hinting that maybe it's it's you know something that it's not it's it's you know out and out um you know he's being met with with nazi salutes and and they're putting pillowcases on the head yeah um you know it is it is absolutely all encompassing and incredibly stark with with kind of the story is telling. No, but very similar that, in I've, some ways to Watchmen. Yeah, I, I yeah, think both they, can be more and less similar to Watchmen. <laughs> like, <it's> very similar, <laughs> and very different. Got me. Um, I was just going to say, it, it. I think they can get away with it because the story is it's quite funny, and they do it in a in a delicate way that it's 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 not. I mean, it's there that you know they're not hiding it. It's it's there in plain sight, but because it's done in in, in you know that it's told in a particular way, which allows them to get away with it. I think. And are you um, are you down for a, a, a peacemaker too? If it was to come around, hell yeah! 
But like I said, I want to see a weasel show or you know, you know rat catcher would probably be a good show as well. Judo master. Did judo mm -hmm. master do enough to, to convince you to go on a journey with him? Um, yeah. He, he kind of reminds me of, um, I can't remember the wrestler's name in WWE. Um, Ray Mysterio. That's him. That's him. <laughs> Is it the same actor? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, no, I. You know, he's he's incredibly small and and you know has thin masks, so I can see the. <laughs> and, I should get from that. Human. And he's extremely nimble. Yes. Mm. Um, but no, I mean we've we've talked a little previously about John Cena's sense of humour coming through in this um uh, and in films like you know sisters and and blockers and and um and i think this is this is another one where he he is incredible his timing is is impeccable with some of these you know things that he does um his comedic timing and just kind of the the, the absolute deadpanness that he plays yeah. it um and and you know they have done a very good job of, of making him sympathizing, you know, very much not so in the film. Yeah, they have, and it's nice to see him go through that journey of that as well. I think it was quite smart to drop the first three episodes in one go as well. Was it three or four? I can't remember how many they dropped to kind of get you. Or did they? Or did I just start on it late? No, no. I think you may have just episodes. started. No, like, no, I, I, think they, I think they dropped three at the same time. Let me um, see if I can find out. I think they did. Um, and I think it was a smart decision. Yes, um, you're right, they did. Um, one, two, and three all came out on the 13th of January. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, interestingly, stronger as they've gone on. So episode one scored 8.4. Uh, episode two, eight point three. Episode three, eight point seven. Um, episode four, eight point six. Episode five, back up. And then the most recent one scored has currently scored a nine point zero. I think that's. I mean, I can't think uh, associate each one to each episode, but the fact that it's got strong has gone on. That's very, very true. I totally agree with that. And I am looking forward to the rewatch. So having the relationship I have with these characters now, watching them in early episodes, I think will be quite interesting again. Yeah. It is. It's been a, an incredibly good journey. Entertained all the way through. Um, which may not be quite what can be said about the Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. um, so before we get into there, just in case is uh, behind on the book of Boba Fett and for some reason wants to catch up, um, we will uh, do our recommendations before um, going into talking in in specific way about the book of Boba Fett. Um, so, uh, T, what would you like to recommend this week? Um. 
I would like to specifically recommend the episodes of the Book of Boba Fett, which we're going to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested to see how you do this in a non-spoiler way, bearing in mind <laughs> we're on the non-spoiler watershed. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think the episodes that we're going to discuss can be viewed as um, Mando season 2.5. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, I think they're watchable in isolation of the rest of Book of Boba Fett. So we, we, had, a, we had a conversation about the first three episodes, um, um, and we did, not, um, <laughs> we did not like the first three episodes. So yeah, if you listen to, those, uh, if you listen to that uh, episode of our podcast and thought, right, I just don't want to watch this show that these guys need to hate, um, don't don't watch those first three episodes. Um, but if you have enjoyed watching Mando as we very much have, um, skip ahead uh, and join us on Mando season two point five, which is episodes um, four and five, I think, of the Book of Boba Fett. Five and six. Sorry, five and six. <laughs> um, for all the reasons that we will talk about in just a minute, it is a very good choice. B, what have you recommended this week? Uh, this week, I'm recommending a TV show which is currently available on Disney Plus, uh, Star, um, to be precise, um, called Hip Monkey. Um, it's an animated uh, TV show. Um, it's ten, uh, 10 shows. Um, season one um, is all on there for you to enjoy. And it says what it is on the title. So it's about a monkey um, who's an assassin, uh, and it's uh, it's it's that concept is as if it's the most normal thing in the world. What well, it is? Um, is it, it though? It, it, yeah, you know, you know when when your when your tribe of monkeys gets uh, I don't know you call it a tribe of monkeys. Uh, What's a what's a operative word for a collection of monkeys? Um, uh, crew? Okay, listeners, if you know, please uh, do um, uh, let us know. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so uh, you know, the the family of monkeys get get um, killed, and and this particular monkey gets the hump and um, learns how to be an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> gets the hump and learns how to be an assassin. Um, it, it, it honestly, I'm not selling it very well, but it's honestly a good. It's 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 great. It's it's um, it's um, very. Um, how can I describe it? It's it's done very sympathetically. It's a Japanese um, production, um, but um, it's it's done in the style of like night, late 1980s cartoons. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's quite graphic, so if you want some fluffy stuff, this is not the show for you. But um, it's it's certainly entertaining. Monkeys apparently are either referred to as a troop of monkeys, hmm. or apparently another collective noun is a barrel of monkeys. Oh, there you go. See, listeners. Educational. Every day's a school day. Um, yeah, I mean, Hit, uh, Hit Monkey's one I'm interested to watch. I, I've I've kind of seen, I've I've picked up some of the comics. Um, 
it's a little bit out there, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's very rare that you see stories about monkeys being um, led by their ghostly assassin friend. Mm. Bryce, yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely um, one that's on my list. Uh, it's any of the, the hit monkey oh, comics I, previously. I've not read any of the comics. Um, I watched a little bit of the show, um, B, um, and I must admit it didn't grab me in the first few however many seconds I gave it, which potentially wasn't very many. But now that you're recommending it, I will definitely give it another shot. Um, and I'm also, going to recommend... You, you I agree on things all of a sudden. That's never happened before, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it may have only been for, you know, some of the segments of the show. Uh, we will find out. We will follow that up at uh, the next episode to find out. Um, my recommendation is from Netflix, and it is a um, documentary, I guess, uh, called Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. And in essence, charts the growth of uh, martial arts films um, from its origination, uh, origination, origin um, back in China uh, with the Shaw Brothers. Um, how that started influencing, how that moved from uh, what they were famous for making films on, and how that worked in uh, to. Um, uh, some of the the stars, some of the um, incredibly shocking working conditions that they had in regards to their really tough uh, shooting schedules, uh, the introduction of it to American audiences, um, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, um, as you would imagine, uh, and the influence it has uh, even into modern day, like, for instance, The Matrix and um, uh, the Marvel films. Um, for a guy that used to be sitting in front of the TV, and I've said this a million times, you know, on a Sunday morning watching whatever I managed to tape from Channel 4 at the night before, be it, you know, an old Kung Fu film or Godzilla or God knows what else that I, I found, at, at, you know, and loved from their very strange kind of um, uh, films that they put on at that time. Um, it, it's just brilliant. It, it kind of talks about, the love of the genre it talks about the the evolution of the fighting styles it talks about the evolution of of the characters and the the stories of it the the bruce lee stuff is fascinating with with um how much uh just absolutely shady shit went in following the death of of bruce lee and people trying to capitalize on um, his, his fairly sudden fame, um, mm. uh, and, and, you know, especially with the American artists and, uh, with American audience, um, to the point where they, you know, one of the, one of the films, um, actually, uh, includes footage from Bruce Lee's real life funeral, mm. um, as part of the narrative, um, and all of the quote unquote they tried to introduce afterwards uh, Bruce Lee too and Bruce Lai and various others um, mm -hmm. just just stunning all the way through um, uh, yeah just uh, 
really something worth watching, I think. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'm going to give that a go this weekend, I think. I just found it on Netflix. <laughs> it's good times. And it's really weird. You know, they talk about things like, for instance, the influence that the Kung Fu movies have on, you know, break dancing uh, and, and some of those elements as well and, and how it, it just kind of... Um, penetrated other cultures and areas and and uh, beyond so uh yeah really really good uh watch um i would say hence it being my recommendation um but one we're not seeing a lot of kung fu fighting on is um boba fett uh we're not seeing a lot other than walking around and talking <laughs> um <laughs> apart from when uh, old friends of ours reappear and completely lift the story by telling something that isn't actually anything to do with the story. Uh, so, yes, let's get into episode six of the book of Boba Fett. So we're into episodes four, five and six of the book of Boba Fett. Uh, so we'll start with the big questions first. Does anyone remember what happened in episode four? What? What was <laughs> in episode four? I recall it ended with the Mando theme song. <laughs> um, so it was um, amongst other things uh, both the Sarlacc to get his armor out. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the ship leaning over and almost. That was destroyed. one where the yeah, that was one where the um, uh, the credits were more interesting than the show. I thought. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, I, there's been a couple of those. I think that explains why he needs treat. Well, he needed treatment in that tank of his, potentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, the acid mm. that was burning through um, for, the, for the armor that he technically came out with and stripped off. Mm. That's right. But seemed to think had been somehow sucked back into the... Um, and then there was a lot of walking around. And talking and plotting, and we know that the, the the syndicate has 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 taken claim uh, Tatooine, um, which um, yeah could could not care less about the syndicate taking claim to Tatooine. You know that would have been an interesting episode one-off. You know. And it's only interesting because it's Tatooine. I can't understand how the building whole series around this. This is Star Apparently. Wars, man. You got the whole universe to play in. Stop fucking skipping us on Tatooine. Tatooine, I think, has been in something like six of the nine films and all of the shows that we've seen so far. Mm. Um, so it's really, really bizarre the, the how this you know remote outer rim planet has just featured so heavily um but uh yes apparently tatooine is is incredibly important for spice um 
and you do wonder whether someone picked up the script for Dune. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, (laughs) Maybe they're interrelated. Maybe they're like, there's going to be a crossover or something. You you think we're going to have Leo Atreides pop up? Yeah. I mean, uh, so Leo Atreides was played by Oscar Isaac in the new one, wasn't it? Yep. There is a link. So, yeah, yeah. Turns out Leo Atreides wrote Dameron's dad. Um, and would also give uh, T a chance to watch Oscar Isaac in the desert without needing therapy. Yep. <laughs> like an upcoming Marvel Plus, uh, Disney Plus show. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a bit weird and ponderous and it was decided that Boba Fett needs an army um, so uh, Fennec Shand has gone to hire some people um, and as you said you, there was a familiar music sting on the way out um, and then that picks us up as episode 5 where we get to see what Mando's been up to Oh my goodness. What an episode. I was thinking um, when I did my, in fact, I think I suggested the recommendation I was going to do a couple of weeks ago. So it was just when episode five came out. And it's, it's everything I love about space stuff. I mean, to start off with, it was in um, a Dyson ring. Like, that's so cool, man. Star Wars never bothers with like hard sci-fi stuff, right? You know, the artificial gravity, the lights—it's fantasy set in space. But then you've got a fucking Dyson ring. How cool is that? An actual thing, and it was spinning really fast. We would explain the gravity, and then when he went downstairs, and you know, the bit where he f- falls off because mm-hmm. all you're doing is flinging yourself off the ring. Ah, just amazing. And then there was the, his. In fact, let's go back a bit. That was the again another Deadpool reference today, but it felt a bit like Deadpool two again when he was trying to um, go through his uh, assassination at the very beginning. Um, but just in that scene when he pulled out the dark saber and struggled a little bit with it, I just thought, "Wow, this is so fucking well done." You know, you've seen this guy was an utter badass all this time, and he pulls out the ultimate weapon, and just already you can see him struggling. And even before he cut himself, you could just see him struggling with it. And you're sort of already going, oh my god, don't use it, just just, just don't bother with it, man, it's, it's not good for you. Just brilliant. Um, every Everything about that episode is just pure sci-fi brilliance. It's what I wanted from, you know, more Star Wars meeting back with the old characters, the battle uh, the battle for Jin sort of still wanting to give up the Darksaber, clearly not wanting that great big destiny. Um, holding on to the whole, um, you know, dealing with the fact that he took his mask off, um, you know, the, the mithril chain mail for, for Grogu, everything. It was the perfect episode. I was so happy. And actually, if that was the only episode we got, I would have been so happy. Yeah, it was um, uh, it was quite the introduction, quite the the, the 
way through to tell us, you know, what was going on. It was, I mean, this and episode six, uh, but you know, this one specifically. If you I, were, I, I almost feel you've got to talk about them separately because episode six is overshadowed almost by so many things that happened in it. So this is just your pure Mando love episode. Yes. Mm. It's all about him. The only thing I didn't get was he's now got a Naboo Starfighter. And he's like, yeah, this will be great for me. And he's like, obviously, there's a little hole in the back where a droid used to go, so so Grogu can go there. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you're a bounty hunter. Where are you going to get all the bodies? Yeah. So you know. Um, so it's like, yeah, that's not going to last, is it? It's going to last about as long as you know Hasbro can release the toy. <laughs> <laughs> Going to to Has Labs near you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we'll we'll keep on episode five and then we'll move on to episode six in a minute. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, it was it's, it's it, I, I feel sorry for any Mandalorian fans who have not watched. Book of Boba Fett because they're not interested in Boba Fett. They want Mandalorian because, in theory, if you don't go back and watch it, and you probably have at this point, um, you start book three of of the Mandalorian in a really weird position mm. um, because this this you know uh, as you said you know uh, series two point five. Um, does a lot of lifting. You know, there's a lot of story work in this. This isn't just kind of like a, you know, ah, what have you been up to? This is this is a lot of movement, a lot of of moving the story forward. Um, everything, like for instance, him owning the fact that he has broken the code. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he has strayed from the way. Um, he has taken his helmet off. Um, a couple of times because, you know, Grogu was more important to him than the code. Mm. Um, him being challenged for the lightsaber, uh, for the darksaber, because, um, you know, Paz Vizsla is obviously a, a descendant of Pre Vizsla who, who owned the darksaber um, and his chance to restore his family's honor. Um, Paz Vizsla played by John Favreau, obviously. Um, yeah, it's just it's stunning all the way through. And even just the stupidity of like, you know, the Beskar steel um, spear and them going, well, that's, you know, a weapon designed to kill Mandalorians. If if mm-hmm. this exists, mm-hmm. then no one is safe. I'll just make it, melt it down then. Hmm. B. What are you, what were your thinks on on four and five? Um, I, I can't remember what happened um, because I was so in awe of the show. Um, I I did think there was again a little bit too much walking. I, I didn't think the scene where um, Mando returns the um, uh, the bounty. Um, and then you have a scene of him getting into an eleva- elevator, going down to the lift, and then there was like I don't know twenty seconds, what seemed a lifetime, uh, walk into his passenger transport, um, and then obviously you had the comedic scene where he's taking out all his weapons because he can't take him onto the commercial flight, 
um that that kind of annoyed me but it is such a beautiful beautiful episode um really really good um the, the unloading of the weapons annoyed you me uh yeah it was, it was, I thought it was hilarious i, I know but up. it was it was unnecessary comedic reference um it's been done so many times you know it, you kind of expect it in slapstick comedy um but i don't know maybe maybe it's, it's probably just me um it's it, it, to me star wars isn't isn't comedy um it's it's good versus evil um dark versus light um it's it's all of that and that's that's kind of what i want to see and and for me i i really love the fact that you know you have um mando and his his obviously there's this going to be it's building up to a, a big battle in the next next show um and i'm sure we'll we'll come to talk about the decision um but it's 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 leading up to the whole Star Wars thing again for me, um, which I'm so looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, absolutely kind of, it's really interesting because it's the Magnificent Seven, really, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's which, you know, it was based on the Seven Samurai, which was Kurosawa, was with the Hidden Fortress, which you know, it's it's all self-referential in that mm-hmm. way. Um, but it, it is it's really interesting the amount of time they put into the Mando story. You could have had Mando just turn up, and yeah. you you didn't need to do any of this work. You didn't have to do any of the the backstory. He could have just walked in, and that would have been plenty for for everyone. Hmm. Um, in this, you know, the way this episode it was, this was a Bryce Dallas Howard one, wasn't it? It was, and a, a it just felt like it was the Mando production team that did it, and obviously it's the same production team, but this felt like it was made with so much love. And reflecting on the previous episode, especially the the two um, Robert Rodriguez episodes, those felt indulgent, whilst this felt full of love and reverence. And it's interesting because Rodriguez clearly loves Boba Fett and clearly loves the character and clearly wanted to tell that story. Um, there's just something in the execution of that um, that just felt like I, I'm not on board for this. You're just telling a thing that you want to tell. Um, and there's something about the execution of, of this episode where this was for the fans. I, 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 I'm not sure if I agree with that. I, I, I think what's happened in, in the first few episodes, it's Basically, they've character assassined Boba Fett. All the lore that that was the mystique um, is all gone. Um, you know. So, but there's 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 a couple of things to this because this is you know there's a lot about this and and I I see the point. However, um, you know, one of the things is about Boba Fett taking his mask off. And I appreciate and understand that, but we've already got a series where a guy that looks exactly like Boba Fett walks around with his mask on all the time. So you can't do the same thing again to the point where he can't still be a bounty hunter because, again, we've got a Mandalorian bounty hunter who's walking around and, and you know, 
doing all of these things. And it's very good. So if you're going to do something with Boba Fett, it's going to be something ever slightly different. Um, you know, him him atoning for whatever, I think, isn't a bad story. I think they've just done it really weirdly. And this 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 element of the law of Boba Fett is based upon eight minutes worth of screen time, which included him getting smacked by a blind man and shot into a, um, a Sarlacc pit. So, mm. you know, we... we the stories of this absolutely badass, amazing, like scourge of the galaxy, is is kind of one we've made up. There's nothing in actually what's been on screen that shows this. The the, the most badass Boba Fett we've seen was in Mandalorian. Hmm. And so, you know, it being something about, you know, the guy wanting to be the new sheriff because it's very, very Western driven and, you know, trying to bring law and order into the world and blah, 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 um, you know, isn't a bad story. It's just the, the pacing for me has been drastically, bizarrely wrong, especially considering it's not a seven show arc. It, uh, seven episode arc it's a five episode arc because two of those episodes you're giving to mandalorian parts of the story that don't need to be told and that's the way so like you just said right now so you know Boba Fett could have just turned uh, sorry Manly could have just turned up we don't we don't need to know why he was going into the back to tank that wasn't a kind of exciting mystery at all you didn't have to go into the back to tank at all you could have cut that out you could have cut that bit you know uh, the modders didn't end up being an interesting interesting bunch of characters so the whole kind of recruiting of them didn't have to happen the bar stuff was probably interesting and you went and blew that up um it was just a lot of like miscalculations i think um I, i'm with you jay on the you know the, the lack of lore because I, I, I agree. Um, and, and again, this might be an issue. I, I never got the cool thing about Boba Fett. I mean, it's a cool outfit. But beyond that, I didn't really understand. No, no executions. That was kind of it, right? Um, yeah. It is. It, you've told a weird story in a weird way for the first three episodes that did it, or for four episodes that didn't need to be told. Yeah. Um, or could have been told in one episode, really. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it needed to be the flashback style that's been done. Um, it It's just been a very strange kind of way through on stuff. Um, you know, the Rancor stuff, I'm assuming we watch him ride into battle on a Rancor. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where it is. But, you know, that again feels like a lot of lifting. Um for the sake of that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's just been a very strange kind of pace on it. And it, he has been, uh, you know, just wandering around and, and chatting to people. Mm. Shall we move on to, to episode six? Yes. See, so, tell us about episode six. B, do you want to go first? Because I feel like you you love this stuff. No, you no, know. no. You you go for it. Oh. 
So I think episode five is my utter standout brilliant one. Um, but episode six was great. Oh my god. We had okay, so we had Ahsoka back, we amazing. We had um Luke back and I wasn't doing that thing where I was staring at it going, Oh, have they fucked up the CGI? Is that really him? What's going on with the voice? I quite quickly just kind of bought in. Um, and I don't know if it's because this is the third or fourth time we're seeing this happening. We've had it with Luke before. We've had it with Luke multiple times, actually. We've had it with Leia. We've had it with Atarkin. Um, and I'm just used to it now. Or actually, it was just so well done. Um, or maybe I just didn't have my glasses on. But I could just concentrate on the story of Luke. And that was great. Um, the Luke is an awful, awful teacher. Uh, Jay, as you mentioned in our in our chats around <laughs> this, because I was there going, "What the fuck is wrong with him? Why is he making him? What an asshole!" And then he went, "Yeah, yeah, he's not a good teacher." I was like, "All right, yeah, that's a good point." Um, so yeah, um, and a, a bit of it's kind of given away with, um, as I say, he's got the little thing in his in his spaceship. Uh, that Grogu can get into, and you're like, well, obviously you're going to see him in there at some point. Um, and then you ended with um, the, the bounty hunter, who's Cad Bane turned up. Now, I've yes. not watched all of the um, uh, Clone Wars, and even I thought, fucking hell, that's Cad Bane. And I don't even know where the hell I've absorbed that knowledge, because I don't think I've seen Cad Bane in, in the Clone Wars, because I've seen so little of it. Um and so part of, it, part of it was just, you know, I was most knowledge, but also it was just the way he was introduced. And again, such an amazing scene. Um, I mean, before we got to the credits, I knew this was a Dave Filoni episode. The yes. way they balanced all the characters, the way they did the handoffs, in fact. So you started with uh, Mando, and that's where you were. And now you've introduced um, Ahsoka, and now you've introduced Luke, and now you can hand off to Luke and think he's training. Then you can go back to Matt. The way it was all so much going on and so beautifully handled and so the story was so beautifully told. And there was no confusion. There was not who's where and what's going on and what's happening. The pacing of it was just amazing. Um, getting the sheriff back. That scene with the with the standoff and the deputy who hadn't unhitched his gun. I mean, I never do this. I, I always try and let... A, I don't even like pausing films to kind of go to the toilet. I just feel like things should run at their pace. Middle of my first viewing, I stopped and rewound and watched that again, and stopped and rewound and watched that again. And it probably was unfair to the film that to the show that Filoni was making, but I just had to see it. What happened in that in that split second? And I, you know, I was so grateful that this wasn't in the cinema and this was you know Disney Plus at home where I could pause and rewind. Just, just, just perfect. to verify that, I mean, we have been banned from many, many cinemas because he won't stop to go to the toilet. He will just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, empty the, the, the cinema screen we're in. Um, I'll order two cokes, but one will be empty, please. <laughs> one coke, two cups. Um, yeah. <laughs> although I think that's something different. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You B, said coke, right? Um, <laughs> that's it. B, what did you think? Yeah, absolutely stunning. I, I think I enjoyed this more than the previous episode. Um, I think it was just beautifully shot. Um, the you know, it was a mix of of action, suspense. Um, it, it was it was just spot on. Um, I loved um, the callbacks. 
the training, um, you know, it just reminds me of um, young Luke Skywalker who's about to meet um, his dad. Um, and then it, it, it just reminds me of like um, Empire. Um, and I think it's going to go a similar way. Um, I just loved it. You know, the um, you already talked about the um, space spaghetti western. Um, that was brilliant. That scene of him just walking, I think it's done so well. Cinematography is brilliant. Um, yeah, it's absolutely superb. What I what I loved about the the the, the introduction of Cad Bane um, is. Uh, just how much they kind of built and teased it and like, you know, didn't get your name there, partner. What and and you are and 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 what are you called? And and you know, so really kind of, you know, teased and teased and teased until they gave you, you know, that it was Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. Um and, and yeah, you know, he, that's that's a huge deal. He he was all over the Clone Wars, he was um uh fairly pivotal in Bad Batches. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting character. Um, and one who, who seems to be very frustrated that Boba Fett has, has moved away from the guild and away from his, uh, his, his history, uh, to do something good, um, was, was really good. Um, Ahsoka and Luke together, um, was something that it never occurred to me we 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 would have oh, um, that line about what was it um you you're like your father what was it you remind yeah. me of your father oh my god get heart wrenching mm. yeah this is this is luke trying to find you know his role as as you know the jedi master the last jedi um trying to build a school, trying to to reform the Jedi Order, um, just racked with self-doubt. And um, Ahsoka, who's there but not really there, just kind of, you know, being very kind of knowing and warm about just how much of her former master she sees in this kid jumping around. Um yeah, just just absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, you know, was really really good, really really strong. Uh, it was great to see uh, Cobb Vanth back, um, and you know it, it, his 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 line. You know his. You know we're at peace. We're fine. Thank you very much. You know this is. You know it, it's all it's all of the spaghetti western stuff. You know bringing mm-hmm. the old sheriff back in. Because you know he's retired and he's he's got a good life and all the rest of it. It's all very much you know straight out of that and um, played really really well. Um, so it ends with Grogu having a choice. Mm-hmm. He can either have Yoda's lightsaber and continue his training, or he can have the Beskar chainmail and can 
go on his way with Mando. Um, oh, fucking awful, Luke. Honestly, what a dick. I, I mean, so I I can see kind of you know it's about you know you've got to commit, you've got to make a choice of you're here. Um, I thought part of the Jedi training was creating your own lightsaber. Yeah. Although, although you know, he had Anakin's for a long while, so I guess you know, a a training lightsaber. Um, is it? So the bit I struggled on this is it a cop out that season three basically is going to start with Mando and Grogu again? Um, I don't think it will. You don't think it'll start with that? No. Ooh, what do you think it's going to start with? Um, I, th- I think it's going to mirror um, Empire um, in the fact that I think Gregor will choose the armor. Um, Luke will take Gregor to Mando. Um, there will be a... Obviously, there's there's going to be a battle. Um, Luke will end up saving the day. Grogu will realise that there's a bigger picture. And although he's taking the armour, he needs to learn the way of the Jedi so he can um, he can be more effective in saving Mando. And find balance. It's an interesting... That's, that's interesting because... So Mando's not just saying, hey, come hang out with me. He's saying, be a, a foundling. You know, mm. so you're joining my creed. Um, whilst, so they're both trying to basically bring this baby into into their weird religions. 50-year-old one baby, says, but yes. This 50-year-old baby. One saying, you know, put on this mask and never take it off. The other one is saying, have no friends, have no family. Um, yeah, do nothing. Just be your own, you know, be a hermit. Um, so it's a it's a disappointment to me that Luke is trying to bring back the the Jedi Order that just went down you know that he's doing that monk like Jedi thing and not kind of his own version of Jedi school because Luke has attachments, he has his sister, and he has his friends, and he has all of this, and he's had to learn it in that way. You know, the thing with the lightsaber, so he had one, and then eventually he made one when he lost that one. You know, um, yeah. But then again, if this is his very first student, he's figuring out as he goes, um, and he clearly hasn't figured it out by the time he's got... Um, he clearly never figures it out, so fair enough. So yeah, actually, I, yeah. I, I sense the, the darkness in my my nephew. Maybe the yeah. way to deal with this is try to chop him to death while he's asleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, there is there is no you know bunch of Jedi's by that timeline really. So yeah, Luke has to fail completely. Fair. Um, similarly with Mando, I felt like you know Mando taking off the helmet and stuff like that was a level of personal growth to show actually I value Grogu more than I value my creed. Yes. Um, 
you know, I guess what I don't want to see is then he goes back to, you know, underneath the things of Mando and then becomes a full-on Mando again and becomes a full-on religious seller and all that kind of stuff. I want to see that growth in him. So I don't want to see Grogu with a Grogu with a little Mando mask for the rest of his life either. But do you not run the risk then of of everything that we've just said about Boba Fett in the sense of, you know, if it's Pedro Pascal walking around carrying his helmet, then that's not quite what we've bought into for the last two seasons. I mean, he, yeah, he can wear the helmet. That's not the issue, you know, and he can take it off. It, it's more just coming out of this real... It, so what? when we first met Mando, all he knew really was that singular creed. And yep. for him to meet other Mandos who are taking off their helmets and all this kind of stuff, suddenly he's like, it's opened up to a much, much bigger world that he was just never exposed to. You know, and I want to see him like live in that bigger world and be part of that bigger sense of thinking rather than just right. Actually, me and my little village, the thing I was brought up with is the only way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see the, the, the growth of it does feel to me. Um, I don't know whether they got scared in trying to kind of break the story for, for series three, where they kind of went, well, shit, everyone loves Mando and Grogu. So us trying to do anything that hasn't got Grogu in is going to just get absolutely hammered. So let's get him back to the point where, you know, we'll build this ship for him, which just so happens to have a little compartment that Grogu can sit in. I think the Mando story, you know, however many seasons of it we get, is the story of both Mando and Grogu. I think it started with them and it will end with both of them. Um, you know, and it could just be a third season and that's the end of it. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, was it Wolf, Wolf and I forgot the samurai thing? The the, the guy and the baby. Uh, Lone Wolf and Cup. Lone Wolf and Cup. It's Lone Wolf and Cup. That's what it is, and that's how it'll end. Yeah, I mean, to the point where Lone Wolf and Cub, you know, begins with the child being given a toy and a samurai sword and having to choose mm-hmm. whether he comes with his father for, for this act of vengeance or, you know, goes and, and is a child in the same way that Grogu has just had to choose between a lightsaber and a an armor but yeah again but that's the thing he, he's not just going because he's taking him him in to be a foundling is not they're both tough lives for grogu it's not go be a family or be a jedi you know well the theory is they already are aren't they they're a they're a, a, a sect of two they're a, the, mm. a guild of two and you know that was the the mud horn and and all of that so he's already part of the crew in that sense yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's a bit, um, you know, choose your religious cult. Yeah, it's two different samurai swords. It's not a samurai sword or a toy. Um. So one of the the deep cuts of the two, um, rumored deep cuts of the two, is the extra long pipe that exhaust pipe that 
the Jawas find so that the Starfighter can have sublight drives. Um, seems to be exactly the same as the pipe that Luke and Han and Chewbacca used to try to stop the um, trash compactors yeah. closing on the Death Star. But the Death Star blew up before. very far from here. Yeah, it doesn't have to be exact. I, I think also right. it being squashed by a trash compactor would probably yeah. make it. You know, it, it, it's the same pipe in the sense of it's the same right. bit of yeah. ship, not the, okay. the actual the same pipe. Yeah, yeah. Just a very strange kind of attention to detail, mm. weird thing that yeah, they they love doing. Made with love, just made with love. This episode, these episodes. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they round this out um, in a few. Hours. Um, I, is that I, is that the finale in a few hours? Yes, mm-hmm. seven. Oh my gosh! Wow. Um, it feels like it's got lots to do. It feels like there's, you know, a, mm. this 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 does feel, especially if you take out the two, Mandalorian episodes. This feels incredibly lopsided as, as a story. Um, it feels very heavy in the last episode, a lot to kind of get to a point um, and move through. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to have a huge amount of uh, neat endings because, you know, you, you, you just kind of spit it off into Book of Boba Fett too. Um mm-hmm. But it does feel like there's a lot going to go on through it. So do we have any predictions for the last episode? <clears throat> so I think we get it to be continued. Um, yeah, I don't think we see, or at least I hope this isn't the death of Boba Fett because it wasn't, wasn't interesting enough for me, <laughs> really, to get him back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope we get a season two just because we can get better. I want it to be better, and I think season two they can do it better. Be any predictions? Um, I think Cat Bane will kill Bubba. All right. Um, and I think season the next season of Mando will be Mando by himself. And I think he'll go try and reclaim um, his rightful place as ruler of the Mandalorian. Um, so I think that uh, Cad kills Fennec, um, which again is is going to be one less good thing for series two mm-hmm. um and i think that i'm going to say that the syndicate we find out who's in charge of the syndicate and it's the whatever it was the red suns which means it's um uh darth maul, darth maul or maul as he is yeah that's interesting the uh because because the the the, the 
what they've got as kind of the big bad at the moment doesn't feel big or bad. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, um, the, the weird story that's coming out of the interviews that's um, happening at the moment is uh, Tamura Morrison, Boba Fett himself, is saying that what he'd like from series two is for Boba Fett to go and settle the score with the dude that killed his father. Okay. He was Mr. Mace Windu. Did we see Mace Windu die? I can't remember. We see him get thrown out the window. Yeah, Yeah, so he's hit by uh, force lightning and thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. We don't actually see him die. Mm -hmm. Would you two be interested in Mace Windu having survived that? Yeah, man. Sam Jackson back back in the robes. Why not? That's what's kind of, you know... So I feel like, you know, Mando was, uh, like, what was the description? It was, your big brother's taking all the good toys and here's what's left. And it's now, you know, he's he's shown he can play with these toys pretty well and he's getting some of the better ones back. He's got Ahsoka, he's getting to play with Luke again. Great, great. You know, give him more toys. And I think, you know, when Filoni is getting to do it properly, you get episodes like episode, um, what, what number was that? Six that we just had. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if Palpatine can come back, then anyone can come back. It's true, especially if people who have been killed off screen. How it will old be interesting. Is Sam Jackson now, I wonder. Sam Jackson is 73 years old. Amazing. Yeah, but that's in Sam Jackson years. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like 26 in mortal years. <laughs> Put a lightsaber in his hand. It's be, it'd be amazing. In the one hand, a lightsaber again. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the other one that that's, we could see, bearing in mind um, we've seen Black Chrysanthemum running riot. Oh, Chewy. Dr. Afra. Angry Chewy. Uh, yeah, whether we see Dr. Afra. So I, that's less, you know, I, f- I like Dr. Afra because I've read the comics and we like it because we've read, but that's all she's there from, right? Yep. That's not for a show, someone who's watching the shows, that's not as likely to be like, whoa, Dr. Afra is here. Do you know? I think a lot of people saw Black Person and just thought, yeah, it's Black Chew, it's another Black Chewbacca. It's not going to be that exciting, not as you know impactful as bringing Cad Bane or um, Ahsoka Tano and all these guys in, and definitely not as big as bringing Mace Windu in. Mm. Yeah, but I, I I don't think it's um, either or. Mm. So you know, this is the thing that they they can do all yeah, of, of this. So yeah, you know, I, for for the. The, the mega fans who are big fans of the comics as well as the films, as well as the whatever else. Um, um, you know, that's, that's the ones that 
that this sort of thing will <laughs> spike. Um, yeah. You know, Amelia Clark is potentially the other one. If she mm-hmm. brings um, uh, Kira back in um, as part of the Black Suns. It's, yeah, I, I think that you could quite comfortably, you know, play all of these things. And for some of your audiences, that's that's huge. And for some of your audiences, that's big. And, um, yeah. Was it, was it um, Skyfall, the James Bond film, where they kept re- referencing Quantum of Solace? And it was like, oh, no, that's, that's the bad film. I've forgotten about that film. Stop referencing that one. Reference a good one that, you know, talk to me about Casino Royale more. <laughs> And that's what I feel like every time you mention a, you know, something coming from um, the Han Solo film, I'm just like, well, oh, do I have to try and remember that film again? Oh. Yeah, and and it's whether the redemption story again of trying to bring, you know, some of the bits that they didn't get to to play in more with, you know, Han Solo two, mm. um, into this. I mean, you know, bearing in mind this was meant to be, you know, originally there was, there was talk that this was going to be. You know, Star Wars Origins Boba Fett was one of the other yeah. spin-off films. Yeah. So it, it's whether they they use this as kind of the the, the back door for um, mm-hmm. the Han Solo two stuff. And we know Amelia Clark doesn't mind doing Disney Plus shows because she's currently doing Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. We shall find out. Them. Sorry. We are we are eight hours and twenty minutes away, so we will find out in in not long time how uh, this all lands and uh, what we have to look forward to. Um, and we will be back in two weeks to tell you all about it um, and to talk about it, and then work out what we're going to while away our eyes with in between. Um, but until then, uh, please do check out the recommendations. Some really good recommendations. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, the book of Boba Fett, about Peacekeeper, about anything else that you've got. Peacemaker, sorry. Or anything else that you've got going on. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell us about Peacekeepers as well, if you wish. <laughs> um, uh, at Kicking In Pod. And um, we will speak to you in two weeks' time. Bye-bye. Adios. Cheerio.